Tonight, I want to speak to you on, let Jesus be your friend. Amen. Amen. Let Jesus be your friend. We, we always sing this song, what a friend we have in Jesus. And much as we know that he is God and he is our Savior, I want you to understand that he himself refers to those who worship him as friends. Amen. Amen. And so it's very important because of so many things that the word of God teaches and also what is going on in the world. But first of all, let me define a friend. A friend is defined as a person who has a strong liking for and trust in another person. A person is someone who has a strong liking for someone and trust in another person. Amen. A person who has a strong liking for and trust in another person. A strong liking for another person and a strong trust in another person. Strong liking for and a strong trust. So when we talk about friends, it's not just someone you met today. Not someone we met yesterday. But someone that you have a very strong liking for and a strong trust in that person. Isn't it therefore amazing that when God refers to us as his friends, he has a strong liking for us and a strong trust also in us. Many times we think he only wants us to have trust in him. I want you to know he also wants to trust you. So the Bible tells us that Jesus one day referred to his disciples as his friends. And the Bible also tells us that Abraham was referred to as a friend of God with this definition, not someone we just go to school with, but someone we have a strong liking for and someone that we have a strong trust in. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. And so I want us to look at a few instances where Jesus referred to us as friends, and then I'll go on to share why we need to make Jesus our friend. Why we need to move on from just knowing him our Savior to become people who have a strong liking for him and a strong trust in him. Amen. Now, I want us to turn our Bibles, please, to John chapter 15, and the verse number 13 to 15, John 15, 13 to 15, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend. The one you have a strong liking for, the one you have a strong trust in, you'll be ready to lay down your life for. And Jesus said he laid down his life for us and he referred to those he laid down his life for as his friends. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. When we relate with people as our friends who we have a strong liking for, we do well not to offend them. We do things to please them. We love them. We have a strong liking for them. We have a strong bond and loyalty towards them. He says one of the ways he determines that is that you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus said we qualify to be friends when we do what he commands. As I taught last Sunday, your Christian life is not based, your worship of God is not based on what songs we sing, but how we conduct ourselves that defines us as worshippers of God or worshippers of the devil. When you see Satan worshippers, it's not the songs they sing. It is how they behave that tells us whether they are Christians or not. In fact, in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the very first place in the scriptures where people who are now called Christians were first referred to as Christians, it was their conduct, not their song. The Bible says the people saw them in Antioch, in Acts eleven twenty-six, and when they saw the conduct and behavior of these Christians, of this church, of the people that go to church, of these believers, the Bible says they realize that these people behave like the Christ who was crucified. So they call them Christians. 
people that look and behave like Christ. So they were called by the name of, of, of Christ. Therefore, they are called Christians. Not by the songs they sang. As for the song, everybody can sing. In fact, when we were growing up in Ghana years ago, you know, every year there is the Muslim festival, uh, Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. They celebrate it. And in fact, there's the big one, they call it Salah. <laughs> and you see there will be singing brass band music and they will be carrying their imams on horseback and camels on the streets. And they will celebrate. Sometimes they will do a whole procession towards the independence square or wherever the main deba was held. And it's very interesting when you watch what is going on, you will see the brass band people are actually singing Christian songs. And you see imams sitting on horses and camels, and people are singing. Listen, they are singing to the song, but they don't believe that Jesus is Lord. It's just that they, probably at that time, they don't have enough brass band musicians who play Islamic songs. But actually, most of their songs, it's not as the way the Christian songs are. You know, theirs is a very particular one, you know. <laughs> but the ones that you really want to clap your hands and do all the kind of praises we do, that is, will be on the streets and people will be doing But the people who are singing, the majority of them are Muslims. It's the brass band music. You know, I mean, in front of one of them, they sing, send your fire, the Holy Ghost, fire. on the streets and Muslims. No, listen, the fact that they are dancing to it does not make them Christians. It is the conduct Amen. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves. Verse 15. Because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father told me. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said when you are his friend, he will tell you secrets. You know, we, we confide in those we consider to be friends. You find out later on the people that betray you were not friends. But true friends, we build. You don't meet people today on the street and start telling them certain secrets about your life. You build a relationship until it has become a very strong liking for and a strong trust in. Then we begin to open the ugly side of our lives to them, trusting them with that information to hold or to stand in those places for us. That's why sometimes when we we relate with people, you realize that you are opposites. When you even marry, sometimes you realize that the person you have married is an opposite of you in terms of temperaments and personality. So that that person's weakness, when it is exposed to you, your strength will cover that weakness. And, that pe and then you too, your weakness, that person's strength covers it. So we complement each other and we move along. And so God is saying, I don't call you slaves. Because a master does not confide in his slaves. But a master confides in his friends. Hallelujah. When we move to make Christ our friend, we become privy, we become privy to secrets, information. Things that ordinary people don't know. You know, sometimes, even in our families, when my father died about 32 years ago, <laughs> There were certain things we, as children, don't know. It is one of his friends who has all the information. He was the one to say, calm down. No, this thing is here. That one is there. That one is there. Go for it. This one, do this. And it is that friend. So you see, there are things that friends know that sometimes family don't even know. And that's why we must move our level of relationship with our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ into the level of deep friendship. Amen. You are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. In James chapter 2 verse 21, this is just introduction. I haven't started the message. James chapter 2 verse 21 to 24. It says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions? See what I'm telling you? Your Christianity is not... The singing, when we sing and we praise God, we worship God with songs, but we are defined by our actions. When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, that's when his righteousness was seen. You see, his faith 
and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. May your actions make your faith in Christ complete. When people see you, they should never be confused that you are light of the world and you are not darkness. As I always say, whenever the light begins to look like darkness, there is something wrong with the light. For you are supposed to be light. There's a big difference between light and darkness. The Bible says, so it happened, just as the scriptures say, verse 23, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And he was even called the friend of God. His faith, which was based on how he acted towards God, Bible says he qualified as a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. Not by faith in words alone, but by what we do. Glory be to Jesus. And Abraham was called the friend of God. And indeed, God said, shall I hide from Abraham that which I wanted to do? God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, I can't hide that one from Abraham because he's my friend. And I pray that from tonight, friendship, according to the definition I gave you, one that you have a strong liking for, one that you have a strong trust in. And God referred to Abraham as his friend. Jesus referred to his disciples as his friends. In fact, in John chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus said that our friend Lazarus is sleeping. Let us now go and wake him up. At that time, Lazarus was dead. But nobody had come to tell Jesus Lazarus was dead. But his strong liking for him. In fact, when his sister sent for him in the verse 1 and 2, the Bible says they said, go and tell Jesus that the man he loves, his friend, whom he loves, is dead. So Jesus relates with us as a friend. He says, our friend Lazarus is sleeping, and let's go and wake him up. And so the Bible tells us that God looks at us from the position of being friends. Amen. Hallelujah. And indeed, we need to look for reliable friends. And Jesus is the most reliable friend that we can find. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? One that you can count on. Hallelujah. One that you can actually count on. And then finally, let me give you what it is about friends. Proverbs 17, 17. The Bible says that a friend is always loyal. A true friend always, that means it's a constant, it doesn't change. A constant doesn't change. The new King James says that a friend loves at all times. King James says a friend loves at all times. The love of a friend is constant throughout. Whether you are in dry season or rainy season or you are in a season of harvest. See, those friends are not fair weather friends. There are some friends, they are fair weather friends. It's only when the weather is fair, then they are friends. As soon as it's raining on you, they disappear. The Bible says that a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Glory be to Jesus. I came to announce to you, this type of friend like God Almighty is always loving, always loyal, always there. When it says always, it means that person is going to be there throughout. In life, in death, the reason why. Jesus is the best person qualified to be your friend above all types of friends you will make on this face of the earth. is because he will always be there both in life and in death. Praise Jesus. You see, the inordinate desire of humans can be described in three things or in three ways. The inordinate desire of humans for things is in three main ways. Number one, they have a desire for position. For number two, power. And number three, possession. Humans have an inordinate ambition and desire for position, for power, and for possession. And they will do anything to get this. 
We all, people will, everybody likes some level of position. That's why people become politicians or they fight over titles and position in church, in office, in everywhere they find. Somebody's fighting for something to be recognized. Somebody wants to take possession. Somebody wants to rule. Somebody wants to be the head. So we fight for position. Every human you see who, has an, who is alive, who has blood running through them, there is this thing, unless we are saved and we look at life in a different way, there's that natural disposition for position. And number two, for power. We want power. That's why people go into politics. They can kill to remain in power. As we can see in Ukraine. To remain in power. He has to use your power. People kill, people go to shrines, people employ both spiritual, physical means to other undermine others so that they can take power. People can go as far as lying to get power. There are politicians who went to eat with people at chop bars. Normally they won't do that. Chop bar is a local restaurant in the Ghanaian palace. They won't do that. They, some of them, we saw them went to pound fufu with women in the market places in some village just because they want power. The things people can do to get power is amazing. But that is humans. Power. And when they gain power, they will do everything to retain the power. We see it in our family settings. People want to be seen as the head of the family. And to death do them part, they remain there. Even when they are growing old and they have run out of ideas, they want to stay there. Power. And then possession. We have an ambition for possession. We want to own things. Everything we came to face, see on the earth, we want to have it. You know, sometimes you look at some people, have you not had enough? But they still want more. Because it is an inordinate desire of humans to have possessions. But the Bible tells us that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of goods he possesses. The scripture is very clear on that. It says, a man's life does not consist. Luke 12, 15. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of goods that he possesses. Your life is in Christ. Your life is in God. Without God, you have nothing. All that we see on the face of the earth one day will dissolve and would be lost and they won't be there anymore. But we love possessions. We have, sometimes you, you have more than you need, but for some reason you still need it. You know, sometimes even the things that we, we normally purchase for ourselves, you realize that you have about five or six of them. It's not that you use them all the time, but you want to have another one. Sisters, are you here? This evening is not about you, but it's about all of us. The brothers also like buying some things. And they have more than one of them. They don't use it very often. There are things currently in your house that you have not used for the past one year. But it's still there. You don't need it. It doesn't come up. For the, for the fact that a whole year has passed that you haven't used it, it's a sign that you really don't need it. <laughs> it will come up one day, but the point is that you don't need it. The things we need, we use them regularly. Regularly. There are things in your attic and loft right now. Since you moved to that house, you haven't visited it. It's been there. You don't need it. You don't use it, but it's there. We like possessions. When we must get rid of them or give it to some people, it's difficult. As if we are married to those things. We love possessions. And most of the time, in order to attain these three things, we make friends. In order to attain these three things of human life, we make friends. And we make four kinds of friends. We make friends of family. Family. We are born into families. Families will be there to help us accomplish one of these things. It's very rare for you to stand for election and a family member doesn't vote for you. It means that they really don't have confidence in you. But true family, true family will stand with you. And when we want to possess things, we befriend family. We build relationship with family. So family will help us acquire and achieve the things that we want to achieve. The position, the power, and the possessions. Family. Then we also 
make friends with friends. Normal friends. People we meet in school, people we meet in the neighborhood, people we meet at the workplace, people we meet in town, people we meet in church, we build friendships with them. And the whole purpose is that it will help us fulfill some of these things. We need friendship to accomplish some things. As I've always thought also that whenever you want to move to a destination, you, you sit in a ship. You need a ship to take you to your destination. So you need some form of friendship, companionship, or relationship to take you to the next level. Everyone has become something because of some relationship. And so we make friends. And we can build long-lasting friends with said people. People who were not born of our parents, but we have built a relationship with them. And it has developed for many years. We have become friends. And friends help one another. And it's fine. Friends campaign for you. Friends pray for you. Friends wish you well. True friends do all these things. And all that comes to either some, takes you to some level of position that you are aiming at, some power that you need, or some possession that you need to have. It's normal. It's normal. Friends. And then we also make friends with money. There are people who make friends with money. They can kill for money. They are married to money. They love money. The scripture says the inordinate love of money is the root of all evil. Money. So we make friends with money. Some people don't joke with their money at all. They, they love money. If they have to take some of it out, ee, they cry in their spirit, soul and body. <laughs> but they would like to receive everything, but they don't like to part away with any money. We love money. We are married to money. We want to have it in abundance. Yes, the Bible says that when you don't have money, there are certain things that cannot be done. The Bible says money is a defense. Money can take away some disgrace. But we can't be so inordinate in our desire and lust and greed for money. That's what scripture condemns. Money is fine. Money is good. Money is needed to do some things. Visions cannot be accomplished without money. After we have had a dream, it will take money to translate it from your dream, from your head, from your spirit, into physical reality. Jesus wanted to go to Capernaum, wanted to go to Judea, other places. He had to borrow a boat. So he has a good vision, but he needed a boat. And he had people who followed him, and they had got money to support and push the work. As he travels with his men, they'll have to eat. Where does the money to buy the food come from? So those things are all all right. But when greed comes in, greed is what scripture condemns. That you have enough, but you still want to even kill to have more. You want to, to rob someone to have more. That's where greed comes in. You can honestly work to make more, but when it becomes greed, greed is when we try to actually do evil or do the wrong way to acquire some money, to acquire wealth. And so the Bible says that when we study humans, we see that we make friends with family, friends, and money. So that we can achieve these three areas of human life, position, power, and possessions. And the fourth friend that many times we forget to make is Christ. Hallelujah. All these friends, they will be there with us to some point. But I found out that all these three, family, friends, and money, will not be there forever. Amen. Family, friends, and money... They won't be there forever. But Christ will be there forever. Christ is the only friend that will be with you in death, in famine, in fires. None of the first three can help you and won't be there in death. But Christ will be there forever. Hallelujah. The difference between Christ and the rest is that he made all the rest. So he has more in him to pass on to you when any of the first three fails. Money will not be there forever. Solomon said, I have seen the rich and princes walking. And I've seen the poor on horseback. Things don't remain the same all the time. I mean, if you look at what is happening in Ukraine, you will see people who were established in their beautiful country. Some of them were doctors, engineers, teachers, lawyers, accountants. Some of them are established. They are fine. They are not a poor country. They are fine. 
And yet, at the time of war, you will see the people running and none of them are taking their houses. Have you seen anybody running on the television with their house with them? They have all fled from their houses. You see, so their possessions can't save them. It tells you that the most important thing in life is your life. Amen. And that means that the most important friendship you must develop is the giver of life, Jesus the Christ. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Praise Jesus. All those, look at, just look at even what is going on. Neto and all of them, they're giving speeches, but they've left them alone. You see that they are alone. All their friends who before the bomb started flying in were running here and there and they were standing with him and we stand with Ukraine and we are doing this and they are giving press conferences. I'm tired of those press conferences. <laughs> they give you press conferences and speeches. Every time you are giving those speeches, bombs are killing human beings. Where are their friends? Everybody has run away. Everybody is careful. They are calculating. They are like, oh, no, I don't want this to be a third world war. And they are killing people. <laughs> but they said they were friends of Ukraine. They are, wearing, they are wearing all kinds of brooches and the flags of Ukraine in parliament. They all have it as a pin. But that is not the situation. You are here. The man is there. They are firing them daily. People are crying and dying. Children are dying. But everyone that is running has not taken what they were Let's say a year ago, they were really obsessed about. They were really fighting about. All of them, have just, everyone is in hiding or you have run away. They've left everything. And that is life. All the true friends they have, some of them who are outside, could not save them. Families are separated. Everybody's thinking about themselves and how they can survive. All the pets, some try to escape with their pets. But at a point in time, they have to leave their pets somewhere and save their lives. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. But Jesus will not leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. People will make promises, but they break it all the time. There are people today who are divorced, who some years ago said, I love you. I am dying for you. I can do anything for you. I was told there's a guy called Kwame Lipton. He said to a girl that he will, if he can swim in hot water for her, I said, I'm not surprised his name is Lipton. <laughs> Things we say and do for love, but when the crucial moment comes, everybody would like to save their skin because naturally we will move into self-preservation. But there's one friend who never leaves nor forsakes. Hallelujah. In death, in death, when death comes, all these friends, they can be present to a certain point. They can be present at the funeral, but none of them, no matter how they love you, will be willing to be buried with you. I haven't seen anyone at a funeral who loves the person who has died so much that they were ready, please bury me too alongside. At a point, they all back off and save their skin. I've seen people at funerals crying, spouses crying, is, oh, and I'm dying. I'm dying. And they have to hold them. But when we get to the cemetery, they don't allow themselves to be buried with the person. No, they won't. They all stay back. God will help us. We will survive. But you'll be left alone. That person is always left alone. Money will bring a lot of people to the funeral. There are people who attend funerals not because they came to mourn, but for the after party. The things that will be served at the funeral. That's why they came. It's not a contract. People look at obituaries and see which of them is juicy. Then they attend those funerals. So there will be a lot of crowd, but they didn't come to mourn you. There will be a lot of money to give you a magnificent send-off. Powerful coffin. And all kinds of things. <laughs> There's a place in Ghana where they bury some... Rich people, the, the, the place, the burial site alone, if you get a space, it's a minimum of about 10,000 pounds. Yeah, they're burying people there. It shows that there's privilege. See, this one, is the, the person is still dead. He's still dead. But money, all those things will be done. But you realize that the money won't go with you. 
Sometimes in funeral, in some of our traditional areas and the way the funeral is conducted, they bring a lot of people are carrying things on their head to come and present on behalf of in-laws and all that. But those, the monies and all those, it doesn't go with the person. They will share it. The old ladies around the table, they will share all these things. They will share it and take it back. But none is buried with you. Even if he's buried, you won't take it with you. None of them. All the, 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 the jewelry that is put on the person, so it's not taken with the person. Sometimes at the time where they're about to close the casket, they take all those things back. The person is just buried like that. But it's only Christ. Hallelujah. At the cross, he told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Even in death, he comes along. Money won't come with us there. Money won't save us there. Our friends, our family won't be there at that point in death. But there is one friend who will be with you in life and will be with you after life. That's the one you must intentionally develop a strong bond with. Hey, hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. He told the thief on the cross, you will be with me today in paradise. And indeed, he has many precious promises that he has given to us. In Hebrews chapter 13 and the verse number 5, the Bible says that beware of greed. Be satisfied with what you have. Don't be greedy for money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Hebrews chapter 13 and the verse number 5. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Men, human beings, friends, family can say these things to you. But sometimes when circumstances change, they can abandon you. In ministry, there are people who say, I will stand with you. And then circumstances change. Circumstances come. Challenges come. And they abandon. And you realize that people don't live by their word. They live by their words when circumstances are comfortable. But when there is the test of the relationship, they won't be there. But Jesus promises, he says, don't be greedy over money. Don't let all these things that naturally humans move towards, don't let those things occupy you. Be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, King James. In the New Living Translation, it says, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Oh my God, I love that hymn writer that says that, In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. Abide with me, fast falls the even tide. In life, in death, abide with me. Those men that wrote those hymns, they understood God. That even in death, he will be with us. This is the best friend you should have. When all men forsake you, it is only God who by his power can comfort you in your loneliness. It is only God when all things fail, when all men turn their backs on you, that he will be able to comfort you in your moment of pain. There comes a pain in everybody's life. There is a season of darkness in everybody's life. But he's the only one that can stand with you. There are people you call friends today. When things change, they also disappear. In fact, the Bible tells us that money has a way of creating many friends. And poverty can send all of them away. <laughs> yeah, poverty can send all of them away. <laughs> there, there, are, there are people I knew who were in England. And when they were here, they had a lot of friends back home in Ghana, for example. They would call. They would send messages. Oh, Charlie, send me something. Charlie, send me something. And they always, you know, send me something and send me something. When this person comes or visits everybody, there's a lot of crowd. Charlie, take us here. Take us here. Charlie, let's go here. And all that. And, oh, Charlie, leave your trainers for me. You know, leave your shirt for me. This, that. Then this brother, something happened. And he, you know... Something went wrong with his application and therefore he lost his status to be in the UK and was sent back home. First few weeks, people don't know why he's back, so they thought he's all right. Then gradually realized that he's not going at the time he normally goes. Then gradually the gossip started. Now nobody goes near him again. He's left alone. You know, people started gossiping. Oh, I'm sure they have deported him. <laughs> you see how the sun is really scorching him? You see that he's not, he's, not taking, he's not taking Uber anymore. He's actually queuing for Trotro. You know, he's just, he's just in public transport. He's, just, he's not sitting in his car anymore. Oh, no, no, it was borrowed. You know, all those things. People began to mock at him. One day he called me and he cried. When a man begins to cry, 
It's a serious thing. I have to comfort him. He said, but what pains him is that some of the people leading the mockery are his cousins. See, when all is well, they'll be there. But I tell you, I told him, trust God. You know, commit yourself where you live in this part of Ghana. Commit yourself to a church there. And let God alone, God who alone supervised you for nine months in your mother's womb, who brought you to this world, he alone can stand with you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will make friends, but I want us to have a superior friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. The Bible says, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Please look at him, look at him, look at him and some of his promises and I will end the message here in the name of Jesus. This evening, I want you to develop that relationship with him. He said, if you do all my commands, if you act out my commandments, you are my friend. He has made his mind so clear in scriptures. But please look at Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 2. What a promise. When humans make such promises, you have to look at it carefully. But when God makes such a promise... He has no business breaking it. He's almighty God. Somebody listening to me tonight, things may have been rough. The year has turned out in a way you didn't expect. But I want you to know, when friends come, they can go. But Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. At the end of our lives, he's the only one who can take us to the next level. Nobody will accompany us there. When we all stop breathing one day, and we check out of this body. When your spirit man gets out of this body, wherever this will happen, whether in a hospital or a home, or a street or anywhere, it will only take this Jesus who will appear on that day to escort you by the power of his angels to take you to his place. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come again. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone that believes in me, though they will die physically, yet they will live. This is the friend who can take you from this earth to the other side of life and bring you back again. This is the friend that you should have. What a friend we have in Jesus. In Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 2, he says, But now, O Jacob, this morning, this evening, put your name there in place of Jacob. He says, Listen to the Lord who created you. Money did not create you. Family did not create you. They were just the pot that was used to bring you into the world. They were the landing pot. They were the train station. They were the airport that God used to bring you to this world. But they didn't create you. Our parents are the conduits by which we came, but they did not create us. Hallelujah. Friends did not create us. But it says, listen to the one who formed you. Do not be afraid. For I have redeemed or ransomed you. He has paid that price for you. Many friends won't do that. They will talk about it. They may gather some money, but they won't be there. There are some things you go through alone. You know, some illnesses, it is only you that have the pain. Friends can come and stand around you. They may pray for you, etc. But you are the only one who will be going through that pain. But it's only Jesus who can deliver us from that pain. He says, don't be afraid for I have, I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Verse 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Amen. Amen. What a friend. There are friends who say that, but in the last minute, they back off. Hallelujah. When something happens, whether it's your fault or somebody sets you up and you find yourself in prison, Friends won't spend the time in prison with you. You know, they will not, nobody will stand there, a very close friend, and say, oh, Judge, please, um, you say, how many years? Ten years, please, give me five and give her five. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But Jesus can step right into that prison. In Jesus' name. I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. There are times you go through deep waters in life. Deep financial waters, deep spiritual waters, deep marital waters, deep relationship waters, deep academic waters where it feels like we are drowning. Life is overwhelming us. We are about to die. It feels like you can't breathe. There are times you've gone through challenges where you are overwhelmed by one problem or the other. He says, when you go through sad times, I will be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fires of oppression, 
You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. What a friend. What a friend. In the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter the economic situation. What a friend we have in Jesus. That's why we need to connect with him. Because economic fires can consume people. It can kill people. It can frustrate people. But Jesus is able to walk with us through the fires of life because he's the creator of fire and fire cannot consume him. And when he's with you and in you and by you, fires of life will not consume you. Trust him when he says this. He's not a man that he should lie. And the Bible tells us that because he has made such a promise that he will not leave us nor forsake us and that the flames of life and the deep waters of life and the rivers of life, rivers move very swiftly. When you step into a river, it can sweep you away quickly. Sometimes you step into some rivers of life, some financial rivers, and they can just sweep you, and everything can be lost within a moment of time. Things can go quickly from glory to, to Ichabod. From Kabod to Ichabod. Let's finish this off with Daniel chapter 3, where we see him acting here. Exactly the promise he gave in Isaiah. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 to 27, we all know the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three friends of Daniel. And the Bible says, you will see how these people show themselves to be friends of God. I've told you, friends, they act. They act on the word, the commandment of the one they are in love with. They have a strong liking for the person. It means that it's not easy to replace that person in their lives. They have a strong liking for the person. And they have a strong trust in that person. That is a friend. And you see these three men, they are friends of God. And therefore, the Father, God also showed himself as their friend. And he acted on his promise. Now, all these people, whilst they were in Babylon, they had friends. But when the moment came where they must stand for their faith, the Bible says Nebuchadnezzar, made a public image, an image of gold, and said everybody should bow down to this and worship it. And we know that the Lord has said that you shall not bow down to any image and any God apart from him. But there were Jews here too. They too, they know this God. But all of them, for the safety of their skin, were all bowing. I mean, if that is just temporary, let's all just bow. Later on, confess our sins. What is all this? Let's just bow. Let's all compromise. Let's just do it. You know, that kind of thing. Nike. Just do it. <laughs> Nike behavior. Nike Christians. When it comes to sin, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Just do it. <laughs> and the Bible says that they, they were therefore found among the people. That among all Jews who were even in captivity, people are bowing. But these three guys decided they will not bow to this image. The first commandment was so clear. I am the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any molten image of anything of the likeness in heaven and on earth or under the earth. And you shall not bow down to them. Very clear instruction. These guys were ready to love their Savior and their God to the letter. They acted their Christian faith. Not that they are called people who love God, but they acted it out. They acted their love of God, their friendship of God. And they answered the king, look at them in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied because the king summoned them before everybody and said, are you not bowing? I hear you are not bowing. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blessing furnace, the God whom we serve, hallelujah, he is able to save us, the God whom we serve. How do we know you serve God? By obeying the word of God and by acting it out publicly and privately. Praise God. Whom we serve, he is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he does not, we want to make it clear to you. I love these people. I think I can talk like this. Your majesty, that we will never serve your God so. We will not worship the gold statue you have set up. Clear. Clear like that. Clear as crystal. They were not dancing around it. They were not compromising it. They were not speaking political language. No, very, very clear. King, just get this one clear. We will do everything. But when it comes to this, we have a strong liking for our God. And we have a strong trust in our God. See, their second statement is a very clear statement of how they trust this God. Even if he will not save. 
We trust him that it is in his good judgment not to save us before you that we will even die. By faith, we still believe it is his will. Can you imagine the level of trust they have in him? That is the level. So Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It doesn't matter who becomes furious with you. If they are not God, don't be worried. Go to sleep. Because lions don't lose sleep over the opinion of sheep and gazelles and lizards. That lizard is having an opinion of you. When you are a lion, come on, just sleep. They said, we, we are not worried. He became very furious with them and his face became distorted with rage. And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. That is already hot. Say, you people, this arrogance, I will show you. I'm going to heat it seven times. But remember, don't forget the promise he made in Isaiah 43, 1 to 2. Say, even when you go through the fires, I will be with you. My God, what a friend. Glory be to Jesus. At this stage, some of their friends will be standing and say, Oh, Charlie, this thing is just about just about two minutes. And we can go to the room and confess. The Lord himself sees what we are going through. That you are under pressure. <laughs> what is this thing? What is this? You see people who claim to be worshippers of God criticizing them. So it serves them right now. They have arrested them. You see, this, this is wisdom. It's wisdom. Listen, there is no wisdom than, than the word of God. Amen. The Bible says, he commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Verse 20. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To tie them with chains. Normally, they do that with chains. They tie them. And the Bible says, and throw them into the blazing furnace. Sometimes, as you serve God, the fires of challenges you are going through appears to have been heated seven times. Now, sometimes as a church, we've gone through some things where it feels like some furnace has been deliberately heated seven times. But we are cool. We are still here. The devil will be tired before we are tired. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace. Fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames even killed the soldiers as they threw the men in. But you'll be saved. The people carrying you to throw you in. They even got burnt. But you didn't get burnt. Because he said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Amen. And the Bible says, verse 23, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, somebody says, but suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> when the devil ties you, Jesus will untie you. Amen. Amen. He says, I see them unbound and they are walking around in the fire unharmed. See, they are not running. The thing is cool. They, they are just walking in it. The thing is hot. It doesn't even kill soldiers. But when the Lord is with you, I said when the Lord is with you, when your friend is with you, this is not going to burn you because he made that promise. None of their friends went into the fire with them, but Jesus showed up in the fire. Amen. Amen. How do we know it's Jesus? Because the Bible says that his form was like the son of God. And at that time, he had not been born. But in theology, we call that Christophanes, the manifestations of Christ in the Old Testament before he actually was born. Glory be to Jesus. And the Bible says that, yes, we certainly did. Look, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Have you seen the, the description given to them? Can somebody describe you as a servant of the Most High God after you have gone through the fires of life and the rivers of life and the deep waters of life? The Bible says he caused the problem and he saw the hand of God because they decided to obey the commandment of God. God also decided to show himself as a friend. 
And the Bible says that they said, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stepped out of the fire. The thing was not burning them. It can't burn them. Because the one that is with them is the creator of the fire. Hallelujah. And so Shadrach, they came out. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. And their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. My God. Sometimes you will go through things and when people come around you, you look very cool and relaxed. And they, they can't smell the trouble around you because your Savior is with you. Tonight, there is no better friend than Jesus the Christ. In the fires of life, he will be with you. That when others thought that this is going to kill you, this is going to destroy you, when they come around you, they could see the peace of God that surpasses knowledge and understanding, guarding your heart and mind, and you are in your best frame of mind because Jesus is with you. This morning, this evening, I just want you to understand that there is no better friend to make than Jesus. As for the first three, we can have them, but I want you to know that we can have the most superior of all, Christ as our friend. When humans we have made friends abandon us, Christ can give us a reserve of other friends. He can put us in secure families. When our families abandon us, God can put us into another family. It is only God who has got reserves. May the Lord Jesus Christ this evening help you to relate with him as a friend. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I want us to think about it. That after we have had all that it is in this life. After death. He's the only one that can be with us in death. No other person can be with us in death. No other person. The rich man in Luke 16 said. Abraham should send someone to go to his family house on earth. And tell them that there's a place like this. But you see that the family came to bury him. They didn't come with him. He was a very rich man. None of them say, oh, because of the way you have helped me to go to school, since you are dead, I want to die with you. No. They all stayed, and they are enjoying his, his properties on the earth. He saw it. <laughs> he saw it. I've seen people die. None of them takes anything away. May we be led by the Spirit of God to acquire things on this earth with knowledge, with understanding. But the most important thing to acquire is life in Christ and a relationship that you can build it's not just relationship with men and women and money and anything, but the relationship that will last a long time after death is the relationship with Christ Jesus. If you are hearing me tonight and you have been believing some other things apart from Christ, I want you to know none of those will meet you when you die. None of them will meet you on the other side of death. But it's only Jesus Christ who is alive who will meet us on the other side and hold our hands and take us to that place. He's the only one that is a friend forever. And I pray in Jesus' name, introducing you to this Lord Jesus the Christ, who is both Lord and a friend. What a combination. I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord will help you this evening. In Jesus' name.